to Online for Authors, where I, Terry M. Brown, author of character-driven fiction and host of the podcast, introduce readers to characters they'd love to invite to lunch by interviewing authors, discussing their books, learning about the writing process, and even, on occasion, chatting live with a panel of authors to discuss topics relevant to both readers and writers. My guest today on Online for Authors is Thomasina DiCrescenzo, author of the book Two Left Feet, her debut novel. Thomasina's book, though fiction, is filled to the brim with stories of her childhood and what it was like to grow up in an Italian immigrant family in New York. The main character, Mikey, short for Michelina, regales readers with childhood stories from magic wine to witch's curses to only being able to find two left sneakers when buying shoes for the summer. Thomasina is a wonderful storyteller and had me laughing out loud. Welcome to Online for Authors. Today we have Thomasina DiCrescenzo, who is the author of Two Left Feet. Welcome, Thomasina. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, for interviewing me on this uh, podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're, we're excited to have you here today. I loved your book, but before we get started and go any further, I want you to kind of give the listeners, you know, your elevator pitch. What is this book, Two Left Feet, about? Uh, well, it has uh, a lot of more subtle meanings, undercover sort of meanings other than the obvious. So uh, it's not really about not being a good dancer. Uh, actually, I came up with the title because it all comes to play in one chapter where my mother took me to get my summer sneakers and uh, I waited for the last minute and, you know, it was like a bargain store and we were going through this big bin and there were only lefts left. <laughs> so uh, she said, you know, this is what happens when you wait the last minute, you get whatever's left. And I said, yeah, I got what was left. All right, two of them. But uh, in that Brooklynese kind of Brooklyn kid kind of uh, dialogue. But then it, it, it coming into play or like more subtle meanings of, you know, two left feet. Yeah, it was about dancing. I gave my aunt some dance lessons because she thought she had two left feet. And it had to do with having... Uh, self-confidence in yourself, um, which came into play later on in the chapters. Um, and then at the very end, I sort of made kind of like a childish kind of um, acknowledgement that, wow, I thought of the uh, Wizard of Oz, how, you know, Dorothy uh, and the, the Tin Man, and the, they went to the wizard and they were looking for what they already always had in themselves, which was their confidence. Right. So that all that, all those subtle meanings, I think, came into play. I don't know if it came across to you or not about the two left meaning. They did. Yeah. I loved it. I loved okay. it. It was, it was, it was great. So, how much of this book is autobiographical? Uh, well, the character, most of the characters uh, are autobiographical. Uh, the setting is autobiographical. Uh, I changed the names to protect the guilty, yeah. of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I started out, it just started coming out and it just evolved, you know, as a, you know, um, 
I would say it's maybe historical fiction, you know, fact based on historical facts, but a lot of it is real and a lot of it is fiction. But um, the actual character, I guess uh, I was like the 11 year old girl and my family members, all their names are the same. My classmates, my friends, I changed the names of the neighbors and but most of the actual people, if they read the book, they kind of knew they would, it was they would know themselves. Yeah. yeah, and then finally, you were talking about my mother. I said, <laughs> oh, my, it's a work of fiction. Any resemblance to any characters, living or dead, are purely fictitious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I tried to cover myself that way. Well, I noticed one of the things that you did was you gave the main character the name Michalina. Right. Right. And yours is Thomasina. And I'm assuming right. that you did that. That, that this character is you. Right, this exactly. This character is you, but you just gave her a different name. Is that right? And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I gave her a different name because I didn't want to give my real name, but I wanted to give a similar name that was like an Italian American name and how this kid was burdened with this weird name, which actually is what I went through. But I, you know, like I changed the name. Yeah. Right, right. I, I loved I loved her whole explanation, your explanation as to why she got her name. Is that oh, okay. truly why you got yours? No, not that, at all. That was it. Okay. No, okay. no, not at all. No. So where did Thomasina come from in your family? Oh boy. All right. Well, um, okay, I'm gonna tell the truth. All right. <laughs> um, it's a very strange story, and I'm just gonna put it out there. So uh my father believe this or not, before he was married to my mother, was married to a woman named Thomasina. And they they were both very, very young. She died in childbirth. Her and the baby both died. So he met my mother a few years later. And I don't know, I wasn't there with the conversation, but obviously he asked my mother to name me after her. And when I grew up, I asked my mother, I said, wow, that was weird. Why did you do that? She said, why should I be jealous of a dead woman? So my mother was way before her time, very <laughs> independent. But it was strange because she knew the family of this dead woman and they, her parents would come visit me as a kid and bring me gifts. And I'm saying, why are they bringing me all these gifts? Because I was named after her dead daughter. So right. it's a very weird story, but it's true. So, uh, yeah. Well, well, generally, if if your book has anything, has any truth to it at all, you had a generally weird childhood in a lot of ways. Like there were a lot of, of unusual characters. Yeah. Well, there kind were, of a lot of the characters were real. They really existed. I just changed their names. Right. Uh, the one about the guy who chased me up the stairs and tried to kill me because I yelled, uh, one, two, three. Uh, that was a real character, uh, and that really did happen. He chased me and my brother up the stairs, and we got in the door just in the nick of time. Um, the characters like uh, Winston uh, and um, Norman, those are real people on my block, and they were what you would call maybe a little marginal type of characters, you know. And uh, And actually, I'm just telling the truth now. I was an 11 year old girl reflecting life back in the early 1960s and what life was like. Now, my daughter, who was 46, you know, it's like, oh, that's terrible. You know, she felt that the book 
was uh, controversial because she said I was prejudiced. I was, uh, you know, calling people names like retard and stuff. And I said, I did not do that. You didn't get the point. The point was I was telling it as it was. Those were the words that people used back in the day. Would I use those words now? Of course not. But I was an 11 year old child. It was her perspective of what she saw going on in the world. And I said, the mean boys would call him that word. But then what I tried to do, and I hope it came across, at the end of every chapter, I tried to put a moral to the story is what did she learn during this adventure? I love and, that because she was this 11 year old who is coming close to that age where you start to not become an adult, but become way more aware. Maybe we're right. aware of who you are and how you're fitting into the life that you're leading. And she would come to the ends of those chapters and have that little, that little right. tidbit of, well, maybe I won't say that anymore, or maybe I won't do that right. anymore, or maybe I learned something, or, or maybe now I understand why they are the way they are, or act the way they act, or say exactly. the things that they say. And I loved that. Right. And I specifically gave these characters uh, redeeming value as to giving them superpowers so that as to like you can't judge a book by its cover, so to speak. Right. right? right. Because you would look at them and say, what weirdos. But Norman, I gave him a magic radio. So he had this superpower. And, uh, you know, so I specifically did that. But uh, it wasn't really so much of a conscious effort. It just actually, to be honest, it just just came out. It just once I started, I typed it on an old fashioned typewriter uh, with whiteout, believe it or not. And once I started typing it, it just started flowing out. So um, I I tried to like, you know, it was like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. And uh, I think it came together okay. It did. It did. I like I said, I loved that idea of kind of the, the moral to the story is, is so you're really right. watching her. She kind of starts out in the book very much a child and kind yeah. of ends the book very much yeah. an adolescent. Like like she's she's moving along and she's starting to really recognize, you know, things about herself and her family and, and, you know, her neighborhood even that, that right. allow her to show some growth. I thought that was really great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I'm curious that the chapters, they could almost be short stories. Like they could right. almost right. be alone. Did you write them yes. that way? Did you write no. like a, a series of short stories yes. and put them together? Yeah. Well, yeah, I did. Actually, what happened was when COVID hit and I was locked in the house by myself for two (laughs) years, I had this big red box in the closet of short stories. They weren't all short stories, of course. They were maybe like seven or eight, whatever, maybe about. And I decided they maybe they were chapters of a book. And that's how I took the short stories out. And like a jigsaw puzzle, I said, well, how can I fit them together to create a a whole story? And that's how I put it together. Of course, I had to. Then I started elaborating and adding more. Well, what else can I write about? Who else can I put in? 
And then once I decided on a, a theme, like a person, basically I started with a character and then I created a fictitious uh, scenario based on that actual person. And some of the events actually occurred just as I wrote them. I just changed the names. Right. But some of the events, um, I kind of, you know, like the beginning about the Michalina named after the, right. uh, the witch. That didn't really happen. But uh, but the things about my classmates, those things really happened. Um, and the street fights with the neighbors. And uh, <laughs> I, I was so I listened to it because um, I really love audiobooks as well. And so I go back and forth between, you know, either reading or listening. And because yours was available, I went ahead and listened to it. And at that point, I had tears rolling down my eyes as everyone's standing out on the front porch, you know, watching the brawl happen. And it was just, I, I could just see that happening. I loved, I loved that. Thank so, you. Yeah. And I did it. You know, the audio book was in my own voice, of course. That's what I, did I was it. just about to say was I wasn't sure when I was listening to it, whether it was. But as soon as you and I started having a conversation, it was like, I know this voice. I listened yes. to this voice through the whole story. So, um, yeah, I think that's a huge undertaking. Tell me a little bit about like doing that aspect of, of narrating your own book. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, the actual book publisher uh, referred me to their audio book people, and they wanted, besides charging me, you know, a lot of money, they wanted to hire an actor to narrate the book. And I said, no, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do my own narration, because who knows these characters and their voices better than me, because I lived with them and I created them, right? Right. So I pursued it on my own, and a close friend of mine is the Poet Laureate of uh, Nassau County, Long Island, and she has a radio station, and her sound tech engineer, who happens to be a very good friend, she referred me to him, and that's how I went to his recording studio, Fantastic. and it was, about, it was so much fun. It was about six months in the record, because the book is, I think, 42 chapters, like over 300 pages. And um, it was very tech, uh, tech, uh, and uh, it was so much fun, you know, doing the whole uh, recording and um, getting the voices of the characters. And it, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I read on your one of your bios, I think on Amazon, that you've done some acting. So doing voices yeah. is not new to you. Tell me a little bit about this whole side acting thing that you've done and still okay. doing, right? Yeah. I'm still, still doing, doing, yeah. I'm still doing it. Yeah. Well, I basically always, uh, well, let's say I got the award for class clown in high school. So it started there pretty much when I fell off the stage and a makeshift, a mock law trial, whatever. Someone was supposed to push me and they pushed me too hard. I went flying backstage off the curtain. And needless to say, my class won the prize for putting on the best show. So I caught the acting bug then, I think. And I always, you know, made my friends laugh, doing jokes and that kind of thing. Uh, voices of characters. And so then over the years, I started doing what, like, a one woman show with character voices and skits and stand up comedy. I did that many places, you know, in the city, uh, in New York city and in the boroughs. Um, and I'm still doing it. And then I've been doing New York dinner theater shows for the almost the past 20 years. 
uh, which is so much fun. I just recently did one in Niagara Falls, uh, Connecticut, uh, Philadelphia. And it's we're like a pack, a troupe, and um, New York Dinner Theater Company. If your um, organization or whatever wants to put on a fundraiser, you contact my producer. And we have various shows, you know, that we come in. It's very interactive. And it's just like going to the best, fun, funniest wedding you ever went to. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just grateful that I still get a chance to do that. That it, it does sound, it sounds fun. It sounds like you're very creative, that writing isn't the only creative outlet that you have, that you do a lot yeah. of other. Right. So well, I also read I that you were. I painful, so I also do pay, uh, paint. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I uh, read that you were an OR nurse. Right. What, what is it that kind of changed you to decide that now was the time you wanted to be an author? That it didn't happen that way. I have a very, uh, what would I say, uh, like serious um, side. And then I have the creative side. So I knew I had to make a living. So when my daughter was a baby, I went back to school and I became, uh, you know, an OR nurse. Uh, so anyway, what, even while I was working, I tried to work um, part time. Sometimes and I would work the twelve-hour shifts, so I had extra time off. And then I, on the side, I would do these little comedy shows and acting things. So I always did it, and but I always wrote poetry and short stories. And I would go perform like these poetry readings, like Poetry Jam. Right. I've been doing that all these years. I still do it. Okay. I'm okay. but but it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I said when COVID was. Uh, in effect, that I said, I think these chapters are chapters of a book. But um, otherwise, I didn't really set out to write a novel. I just took just the box out. Right. Yeah, right. right. But so, I have tons and tons of uh, short stories and poetry books. So have you considered writing another novel now that you've got one under your belt? Oh, boy. It's like such a... It's like almost like on the same order of thinking about moving. <laughs> it's, like, it's something like, oh my God, I don't know if I could do it. Uh, but I think once I fight, of course, if I just sat down and just started doing it, I think I probably could. Um, and I think I might have an idea about something, but um, it's just, so it's a big, a big undertaking. Although yeah. I have to say, yeah. The one that I did, I think basically um, the writing part was pretty fast. It was, you know, once I, because being that I did it on a typewriter and I didn't have another copy, once it was done, I took it to Staples and they photocopied the whole book. And I was praying, crying, please don't lose this. I don't have another copy. I didn't do it on a computer. <laughs> and they were like, what are you crazy lady? But, um, so that, you know, then when I sent it to the uh, publisher, that editing process was took longer, not because they were making changes. I decided to make the changes because when I first sent it out, like, for instance, it would say my mother and I went to the store. And then I realized that the language should be me and my mother went to the store because it was an 11 year old kid from Brooklyn. Exactly. Exactly. So once I did that, I had to change the dialogue of the whole book. So that was my own OCD that made me go back and rewrite it. 
until it sounded correct to myself. Well, so that I, was the little, yeah. Well, I loved it though because it did have it felt very authentic. Um, the when the eleven year old is talking, you know, when we've got Mickey out there or Mikey, I mean, out there yeah. talking, right? Yeah. I felt very much like she was actually telling me the story. I didn't feel yeah. like someone else had tried to write her. Instead, right. yeah. I felt like she actually was telling me this story and it was it was it was great. So you did a good job. I, I think that that even though it was probably a lot of editing and you almost wanted to pull out all your hair, the editing process yeah, is true. one of the hardest, right? But yeah. the, the good thing is, is that in the end, I think it probably really helped your book because it felt mm -hmm. it felt Authentic. very much like an 11 year old. Very Thank you. Like so. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's what I wanted to do, because once I read it out loud to myself, I said, this doesn't sound right. I want it to sound authentic. And then I just felt like I was talking. Matter of fact, during the process, when I was writing the book, my daughter went to a psychic and the psychic said to her, what is your mother doing? She's typing and typing away, talking to all her dead relatives. <laughs> and, uh, and yes, exactly yes, I am. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was having a conversation with them. Yeah. So maybe that's why it came, maybe, you know, it came out authentic is because I really, I kind of put myself back there into the place where, you know, so that I really felt like I was there with them. Right. So, um, so I was really impressed too. Now I think it impresses me because I did not grow up in an Italian community, but the okay. fact that, that you would throw in the Italian and the Sicilian and the English kind of combination phrases, right. I got a yeah. kick out of those. Uh, that, that's another thing I think that made it feel very authentic because I felt very much like I was being brought into um, a neighborhood that, that mm -hmm. encompassed mostly Italian. And then, you know, you threw in a few Irish and a few Irish. other. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Sprinkled in. Yeah. Sprinkled. Yeah. Uh, well, that, because I grew up in the same household as my grandparents, my grandfather had a six family house, which pretty was uh, much, you know, customary back then in Italian families, you know, we had an apartment, they had an apartment. My cousins had an apartment upstairs. So we basically all lived together, you know, we were side by side in the same building. So I was very, very close, especially to my grandmother. And if you, you know, and I would be hanging out the clothes with her and going shopping on Saturdays, pushing the shopping cart. And it was all the customs that we did every Saturday night. We had to go visit what we, they called gumadis, which was the Italian word for the, you my lady friend, you know, bring a cake and, my grandfather would bring a bottle of homemade wine and, <laughs> you know, and, and it was like, Oh my God, I got to start hanging out with people my own age. I'm hanging around with all these old people all the time. But um, yeah. So everyone seems to everyone that uh, I got a lot of good positive feedback that people said they felt like they were really there. So um, I'm happy about that. Of your relative, are there any relatives that are in your book that have read your book? Um, well, uh, let's see. Well, my parents dead. Most of most of them are dead, actually. 
most of my friends, like the one that was my best friend, yeah. she, uh, she was, of course she read it. She was in it. But as far as the older relatives, like my parents and my grandparents, they're all passed away already. So none of them, because they were already gone. Uh, just my close, my the characters so that were so, so your close friend that read it, did she feel like it represented the childhood that she had as well? Like, did that, did it ring true for her? Yeah. Well, of course I changed her name too. Yeah. yeah. And then she, uh, she clowns around with me actually, because uh, I might as well say it out loud. Now her actual name is Joanne. Originally I made her name is Joni. She said, well, that's too close. Everybody's going to know. So I, that's how I changed her to Cassie. But she said, you're talking about me. You're telling everybody that I was, that I was a know-it-all, that I was a, you know, but she was joking. She, she liked it though. She, was, oh, good. she, didn't, get, she didn't get insulted. But um, a couple of other people got a little sensitive and then I felt bad because my intent was not to deliberately hurt anybody's feelings, of right. course. You know. But I wanted to make it as true to life as as possible because that's how it was. So, But I did change the names, but obviously changing the names was not sufficient when it came to the actual people who lived on the block. They knew who everyone was that I was talking about. Right. So, so of all the stories... I think you said there were 42 chapters. Is that what you said? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which of those stories was your favorite? Like if you had to pull one out and say, this story kind of defines everything for me, which story is that? Which one? Oh, yeah. um, I like the one about George, the ice cream man. Uh, but uh, as far as defining the whole book, Probably the two left feet story about uh, that's how I got the title of the book. Um, and it brings into play. Now, I had to ask my brother, did my mother really do that? Because I, I think I've been telling stories my whole life that between fiction and reality. And I'm like, because she was tough, but she was very strong and tough. But no, she didn't actually make me wear the two left feet. But um, but it brought across her personality and her strength, strength of character. Um, the, th the thing about the dancing dog uh, with my aunt, I was very close to her and she was like such a sweetheart. She was just like always cooking and cleaning and she had all these multiple jobs. And, you know, that I think was important because it showed that. She was such a hard worker and so selfless and she gave of herself to everyone. She was always looking to make a few dollars and doing all these different multiple jobs, selling Avon, selling Tupperware. And, and I was like, oh, my God, you're going to need a bunch of elves to help you do all these jobs. <laughs> but, um, and they did have the dog, the German Shepherd. And I don't know how I made it that the dog actually was barking and dancing with us. I thought that was really cute. Um, so like I gave the dog a superpower and then the guy on the roof that, uh, had the birds with the bird cages. I don't yes. know if you remember that one. Yeah. That was real. They were, cause everybody had that. They all had those pigeon coops and how, um, you know, I saw him and how supposedly he was supposed to be a bad boy. But then I said, wow, you know, uh, anybody who could make these birds come back to him. And, you know, he was like St. Francis of Assisi. So I kind of like at the end of every chapter, I kind of put a spin on it and said, 
Well, like you can't judge a book by its cover. Right. You thought this person had these characteristics and these negative traits, but actually there are, there's a positive side to them. Um, so if I had to pick one, one chapter, uh, it's hard to say because I think they all came into play to feed on and add on each other. They did. They did. I, I was just curious if there was like, you know, like if you were if you were in a group and you were told you had to tell one childhood story, like which is the yeah. one that's going to come out? Um, well, when I do a lot of book readings, like in yeah. bookstores and schools and stuff like that, I do read the one about the ice cream man. And I read the one about Norman, the one that like the so-called slow right. boy who sat on the stoop and had his magic radio. Although my daughter and people seem to, she can't get it through her head that she thinks that I am being disrespectful. But I said, no, I read it to a class of junior high students and they got the message behind it. And they right. knew that because I put a positive spin on it that, you know, that he was, uh, you know, they might've pulled him slow back in the day, but I gave him like this superpower so um, I think that was a very important chapter, you yeah. know. Yeah, I think there are a lot of good lessons, a lot of good lessons in the book to, to kind of give you that idea that, like you said, not everything is what it seems. Right. You know, there, and there's a know. lot of things going on that we don't that we don't necessarily have access to all the information. Right. And uh, especially, I mean, you listen to the audio book, how the music was a big part of the yes. book. Right? Yes, yes all the song I put, put the songs of the, cause I, you know, Googled songs from 1963 because that was the basic year of the book right. uh, when I was 11 and I threw those uh, song titles into the, you know, into the, I know the, I uh, loved that too. I loved that yeah. too. That was great. That was and great. the old woman who was our blind babysitter, uh, you know, she actually did baby. We, I didn't really lock her in the bathroom, but the Beatles, <laughs> you know, the Beatles' first night on Ed Sullivan, and you know, but I exaggerated that uh, that she fell down and she had to go. You know, the ambulance came, and she was still playing this the game with the song. You know, um, and um, but then of course, like I showed that I did have a heart and I did have a conscience when I went to visit her at the nursing home every week with my mother and my mother didn't even punish me because she saw how, you know, how bad I felt because of the woman fell down. So right. I, I think, yeah. So I was hoping that that came across that I did try to show like not only redeeming qualities, not only with the characters, but in myself that I was learning. Oh, and one of the main ones that I liked the best was when I took my grandfather to the dentist that one, oh my gosh, I laughed at that. That was, yeah. yeah. And that actually happened also. And I did pray because I grew up Catholic. And when he right. turned his back, I did it. And he was laughing at me because I prayed. And um, so I brought, you know, that into play. And I thought that was important also. And that's when I think in the book where she started realizing her own voice and her own, uh, you know, that I wasn't afraid to speak up and say when uh, he said, well, you prayed for nothing. Your grandfather's fine. And I said, praying is never for nothing. It can always help, you know. So I think she started opening up her her, her, her mouth and her voice at that point. So I think it and, did and yeah, show. She, she's, she kind of recognizes like what things matter to me. Right. You know? Yeah. And she began recognizing that 
how much her family really meant to her and how much, you know, like her religion meant to her and her friends and her, you know, like these are the things that matter in my life and yeah. I'm not going mm -hmm. to, I, I need to stand up for them. You know, I need to be right, there to right. stand up for them. And, and I liked that. And kind of in the end, I think she recognized that her superpower was just being her. You know, yeah. Well, like, yeah. Well, the, yeah. Well, the thing about that, she thought once she got these sneakers see, that were pure flyers, that she thought she would be able to fly because the word flying was in the, the title of the sneaker. Right. And you know, she had a crazy imagination to begin with. So she kept thinking she could fly. And this was going on in her head. She wanted to test out her theory and she would run and jump and then fall on her face in the street. But then at the very end, I hope it came across that you realize when she was chasing the man that stole my grandmother's pocketbook at the block party that I ran after him and that I did catch him and that I did jump up and do that up, up and away thing. Because then I said, wow, the roof is covered in pigeon crap. Right. And then Frank Sinatra was singing, fly me to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I said to people, I said, did you get it? That They said, no, yeah, they got it. That it meant that I was able to fly after all. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I loved, I just thought that it, it, the book ended well, everything tied up nicely. It was just a great, great story. So you say you. when I have another idea for a book. I'm curious, is, uh, it, is it like a sequel or is this no. something totally unrelated? Yeah, no, I really like, matter of fact, my neighbor who read the book, she said, you have to do part two. You have to do her as an older teenager. What happens to Mikey later on? Like when she's like 17 or 18, like all of the things, right? Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Like when I became a hippie, because now it's the late sixties versus the early sixties. But uh, now I was just thinking something more on the order of uh, what's probably already been done. Um, like a large apartment building, um, you know, with all, uh, with all the characters. Yeah, calling it like a filing cabinet of lives, you know, each apartment, yeah. each the stories that, you know, and how they intermingle with each other, that they all live in the same building. And you bring up the different chapters, the different characters and how their lives intertwine, something like that. You know, I just thought, of course, just thinking about it is, yeah. You know, and doing it. Is no, I love that idea. So I think that you're right. I'm sure that there are stories that have, you know, the characters who all live together in one place, but that just because a setting has happened before certainly doesn't mean that you can't do a book because if that were um, true, there'd only be one world war two genre book out there. And you know, that's not true. So, right, you know, you, right. you just find your angle and, and then you go with it. I think that would be awesome. So, you know, Thomasina, yeah. you have to let me know when you've written it so that we can. You know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's um I am very busy, you know, doing things right now. Like I like I'm doing the dinner theater shows and right. I'm busy. I'm very active like in my church. I put on little plays and skits uh and stuff like that. And um so uh, yeah, I'm still just grateful to be able to be busy and do things that I enjoy doing every day. But yeah, the idea of writing another book is definitely in my head. But uh like I said, it's just the main giving myself the time, the time to quiet. Right. Yeah, and and, and, and just, just so you know, we do not want COVID again. 
or anything like it oh, so no, that no. you have no, time no. to write. So <laughs> right. you don't have to, yeah, I don't want to be locked up to in order no. to be able to do it. Right. No, let's not let's not do that again. So how could people reach out if they wanted to chat with you about your book or to um I don't know, even find a way to, to get you and your troop to come and, and do a, a performance or whatever for them. How should they contact you? Cool. Okay, well, as far as the new, if you Google New York Dinner Theater, uh, theater spelled T-H-E-A-T-R-E, New York Dinner Theater Associates, we do shows like in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, uh, we went as far, um, where else? Basically, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, I think, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. But uh, we haven't really traveled further away from there. But there's like a variety of shows. If you Google them, you uh, or you can, um, I guess, I don't know how you could contact me, I guess, through uh, Facebook or Facebook? whatever. Okay. And then, yeah, and then I contact my producer if you're interested in doing a show. Because we, we have one that's called The Sopranos which was a spoof on the old the TV show, The Sopranos, and it's supposed to be his retirement dinner. But it's a lot of fun. It's all singing and dancing and comedy, and we pull all the audience members together to um, dance, and uh, have, they have a dinner. And then there's Joey and Mary's Irish-Italian wedding and the Matugana wedding, which is the Jewish wedding. There's a murder mystery one and uh, the Honeymooners, spoof on the honeymooners which is really funny so there's a variety of shows sounds wonderful and yeah it's fun it's a lot of fun I'm, i try to do is you know as long as my bones and my brain can keep going <laughs> so if someone wanted to contact you then about your book like oh yeah. i'm having a book club and I, I would love for thomasina to come with our book club is the best way to reach out maybe on your Facebook page? Is that a good way to get up with you? Or Yeah, I think so. Or maybe email, uh, okay. email or Facebook. Uh, because I have done private, like people's private little book club, right. clubs, reading right. my book with them. I've done that. And uh, readings for like the Kiwanis and uh, Knights of Columbus and all those little uh, book reading things. Um but yeah, so it's the book is on Amazon and right. Barnes and Noble's online and uh, the audio book and the Kindle. It's all out there on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. But as far as to reach me personally, I guess just Google my name and I guess through Facebook or um, I guess maybe my email address. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put that I'll put that down in the comments below so that anybody who wants to to be able to reach out to you can do so. That would be great. Um, yeah, I wanted, love to, yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, and people who do read my book, um, I've gotten a lot of really nice, great reviews. I don't know if you saw on you know Amazon, yes. but wherever, wherever they, whatever site they read the uh, got the book on. Um, yeah, I appreciate reading good reviews. So if they read it and they enjoyed it, I appreciate them writing me a nice review. Yeah, if they didn't like it, then they, they, if they don't like that's one thing as an author that I that I agree that, you know, if you read it and you enjoy it, let people know because it helps us. It really helps us to get the word out there about our books. So Right. And 
nice to know that you know that your work was appreciated and understood in the intent that you meant it and that the you know the idea came across and people enjoyed it so absolutely yeah. well thomasina thank you so much for being with me today i have enjoyed yeah. talking to you. Yeah, um, you i i'm trying to come up with a way for me to get up to new york and come to one of your dinner theater shows i know oh, i would yeah. enjoy them <laughs> Uh, and where, you're where? You're in North I'm in, Carolina? I'm in North Carolina, on the coast of North Carolina, yeah. You know what? Actually, one of the uh, people from our dinner theater uh, group, he's in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, and they were thinking about possibly going down there to do one. So um, if you in North Carolina want to do a show down there, um, <laughs> I'll give you the kind you have, the Google New York Dinner Theater company associates and uh and may, maybe we could make an arrangement that we could that be cool yeah interesting. you said south carolina and myrtle beach although i live in north carolina i am 20 minutes from myrtle beach oh okay we're down this way you let me know and we'll get together for lunch oh that's great i would love to thank you so much uh yeah yeah i really appreciate you doing this thank you it was so nice and uh yeah Thank you for listening to Online for Authors, where I, Terry M. Brown, author of character-driven fiction and host of the podcast, introduce readers to characters they'd love to invite to lunch. Tune in next Tuesday for another podcast episode.